0: Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast. The only podcast that knows why kids love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Turns out it was sugar. Who knew? I'm your host Tanner Hirsch, and today uh, we're going to be talking about the new Joker movie movie directed by Hangover director and guy who apparently has a hard time making a comedy in today's woke culture, Todd Phillips, and starring Joaquin Phoenix as Batman's archenemy. Yes, the Joker. Batman's most iconic and arguably greatest foe, having committed dastardly evil plans to terrorize the city of Gotham and to thwart the Cape Crusader's attempts to stop him. A villain so cunning and charismatic, he has been adapted into nearly every medium alongside The Dark Knight, and has had many different actor portrayals, with people arguing of which one is the best. Now, the idea for a Joker movie starring solely him has been floating around since we got The Suicide Squad, and with the Joker having massive audience appeal because, as I mentioned, he's... Cunning, charming, and sometimes really funny when done right. Which makes him a great villain to watch. And I'll get into wa- into the whys for that later. But this movie decided to do something very different. Very daring. And that is having a version of the ja- Joker with no charisma, charm, cunning, or even any humor. Now to be honest... I didn't have a lot of hope for this movie going in. The idea of a Joker movie just feels like it's pandering to the worst kind of fan base. The kind of fans who just like to see things, like cool things, happening on screen without realizing what makes something cool in the first place. This movie is set up as an origin story slash character study on how the Joker became the Joker, which is never really something that's meant to be explored which goes into my point about why people don't understand what makes something cool. This is something that started as a curiosity, back during Heath Ledger's amazing and iconic performance as the Clown Prince of Gotham, back during the Dark Knight movie with Christopher Nolan, which, unfortunately, has led to this idolization of the Joker over the past ten years. Ledger and Christopher Nolan created a story And a character so well put together, so captivating, and so memorable that people still talk about it today. In The Dark Knight, the Joker's backstory is purposely non-existent because he is an absolute. Whenever he talks about his past, it usually has something to do with how he got his smile-shaped scar and comes up with a different version of the story each time he tells it because he's tailor-making it to relate to whoever he's talking to as a form of intimidation. It's never never meant to be something to be explained, because it doesn't matter. Now, with Ledger's ultimate untimely death, and leaving behind a performance that will be forever admired, people of course wanted more of this character. I have seen so many fan theories about his origin and student-made short films that tried to explain this version of the character's origin. Totally missing the point, but something, I admit, is fun to think about. But so many people tried to emulate this performance and this approach to the character, most annoyingly with Jared Leto and Suicide Squad just trying to go full method and just terrorizing his castmates by being a shitty person in general. And giving us a character that makes you go, yeah, he looks like what the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars thinks is scary. Now we have Joaquin Phoenix, an actor who takes method acting to the level of, might as well be a documentary on this person's life. It's so weird. So, anyway, about this movie. It takes place in the 1970s or something, I don't know, timeframes in Gotham are always left kind of vague. Like in the Tim Burton movies, how it's the 1930s at the same time as the 90s? But anyway, we follow Arthur Fleck, a socially awkward and isolated man who lives and takes care of his ailing mother. He has a day job as a party clown and dreams of becoming a stand-up comic. He also suffers from a neurological disorder that causes him to laugh uncontrollably at times, which is an actual real disorder that people live with. And quick side note, Phoenix portrays this laugh almost dead on from what I see that people who actually have this disorder go through. It almost is the equivalent of having the same effect as a coughing fit. It's really uncomfortable for someone to have. Now... Arthur struggles to make ends meet because people find him uncomfortable because of his awkward demeanor and chaotic laugh. This mixed with the fact that Gotham is going through an economic depression and crime and general dickishness is running rampant. That it might as well be the purge. So many characters go out of their way to confront, belittle, or take advantage of Arthur because he is so amiable. His boss has it out for him and then he gets him fired when he's found out he brought a gun that he got from a co-worker for protection to a children's hospital, which, yeah, rightfully so, which ah, only happens after same co-worker rats him out for having. His mother keeps pining for the attention and financial aid of Thomas Wayne, father of Bruce Wayne and future Batman, who is generally depicted as a good person in most times like movies and video games and comics he's portrayed in. But this movie actually portrays him as kind of an elitist. Someone who is set up to be kind of someone you're supposed to hate. And that kind of goes into one of the main problems of this movie. The biggest problem of this movie, and it's why it's drawn so much criticism and controversy leading up to its release, Is because, well, first off, and this kind of goes into a story of when I worked at a movie theater, uh, back during The Dark Knight Rises, when it first premiered, the night of the premiere, there was, of course, the Aurora, Colorado shooting, which a gunman had entered a movie theater, like, trying to pretend he was the Joker or something, and shot and killed many people. And, quick side note, I worked at a movie theater at the time, and I was in a theater while the premiere was going on. I had to sit in the theater, which at the time was awesome, because I got to watch The Dark Knight Rises, and I got to get paid for it. So, it was really cool, and I still dig that movie. But, it's also something going home that night, I was just like oh my goodness, it was horrible and just makes you something that just reflects during those times. So it's something that's caused a lot of extra security at a lot of different movie theaters, especially around the premiere, and rightfully so. And it's already gotten some weird opening nights, but I'm not really here to discuss that. I'm just here to discuss... My experience going to this movie. And part of that was the audience experience. This movie is full of what tries to be dark humor, but there is no humor in this movie. Any attempts at humor or anything like that really comes from Arthur's interactions with people, where he's awkward or he just laughs uncontrollably or does something that we know is awkward and it forces a uncomfortable laugh from people there were lots of people who were laughing at really unsettling and uncomfortable moments in the film especially and you know i'm going to get into spoilers here when but seriously this is the joker we're talking about when the joker inevitably goes evil starts killing people very brutally i might add it gets weird uncomfortable laughs from the audience and the points in this movie that in the theater i was in that got the most laughs were these jokes to this one character who is a little an, an actual little person in the movie and all all these jokes that make fun of him about his height, got the most laughs in the film, which is really weird. I mean, I I guess I just don't find little person humor really funny. That just might be me. But the movie frames it in a way to where you feel obligated to laugh. You feel uncomfortable, and it causes the laughter, which... I guess kind of fits with this film because it's all about laughing at awkward stuff. But anyway, Arthur goes down a more depraved and depressing outlook on life. But like I said before, where most portrayals of the Joker is very charismatic, is very fun and engaging. That is, n- you get none of that in this performance. And the story tries to emulate elements from other movies, like most famously Taxi Driver, which Robert Downey, da- uh, I almost said Robert Downey Jr., Robert De Niro portrays a talk show host in this film that also, like a lot, almost every other character in this film, belittles Arthur. But, this movie emulates stuff like from Taxi Driver or uh, Falling Down. These movies where the protagonist kind of goes on a killing spree. But, or what a lot of people forget about Taxi Driver or the movie Falling Down is that these protagonists are not really heroes. And... They're not even really anti-heroes. They're antagonists that are taking on the protagonist role. They are villains, and we're just following their story. They're ticking time bombs who have isolated themselves from society, from people, and externalize their frustrations and hatred. And that's kind of what this movie is. It's a character study of someone who is very awkward and socially isolated for one reason or another. But then begins lashing out at other people. And in a culture today where where America is suffering from rampant gun violence understandably creates a lot of tension when going to see this film because the idea of active shooters who adopt weird personas is an actual reality in America today. And the movie doesn't try to shy away from emulating weird political statements. Arthur kills three Wall Street guys Who are just being general dicks on a subway. Who are just being totally antagonistic. Ready to just like... Who are just drunk and just ready to just fight anyone apparently. Like I know Gotham's a bad city, but Jesus. So... These guys attack Arthur after he just lost his job. He's still in his clown makeup. And he kills these guys with the gun that he had out of self-defense, and also kind of out of a malicious intent, because you feel like this is just something that's been bottled up in this guy, and he finally just gets released. And this also turns into an actual emotional release for this character, because he's been very passive, which isn't a great trait for a protagonist, but he's been very passive, things have just been happening to him, And this is where he finally takes control and takes action. Doesn't do it a lot in this film. Things just sort of happen to him. And he just reacts to these different things. Which, again, isn't great for protagonists. Protagonists need to be proactive and move the plot forward. But that's just a minor gripe. When he finally starts lashing out at people he feels has wronged him we start to see how mentally unstable he is. He starts delusioning or he starts imagining this relationship with one of his neighbors and shows that he's delusional. He starts imagining that they have this relationship when he he hasn't even really talked to this person. And he starts imagining how people would react and like on a, on the comedy show that he loves that Robert De Niro's character just does all the time. Sorry, I'm I'm rambling a little bit. I'm going to get a little bit more to the point. My my point here is that it shows clear examples of how emotionally stunted this character is. He regularly goes to see a therapist and this kind of goes into another issue that I have with a lot of movies and TV shows nowadays is that the therapist is shown to be ineffective. Doesn't really care about Arthur at all. It's like she has him writing down his thoughts in a notebook and we see all the disturbing thoughts and pictures that he has in there. And she just, you know, she does a half ass job. She picks out one little like thing from it, talks about it And it's something that even Arthur points out, that she's just kind of half-assing her job. But this also just kind of highlights a problem where a lot of movies and shows seem to show therapy or medication as ineffective when it comes to characters, you know, and rightfully so. You don't see it a whole lot in films. Like this because the whole main point is that we want to see these characters, you know, going through stuff. They go through actions and they form some kind of catharsis through their actions instead of just talking about it. It's something that's a little bit counterintuitive to the flow of a story. So that's – it's why you don't see it a whole lot as being very vital to stories Especially in movies, you see it more in TV, but it's something I kind of get, is why you don't get a lot of therapy stuff in there, when therapy and medication is actually very good for people suffering through emotional traumas or whatever, or depression, which this character is clearly suffering from, a major form of depression, but that's a minor gripe it, it can be chalked up to how bad things are in Gotham so you really shouldn't take the message of this film it's like yeah therapys ineffective, or ineffective I should say, and you should just act how you feel you shouldn't be medicated at all I don't think that's really what this film is going for, even though yeah it Kind of says it is, but anyway. So, Arthur another major uh, subplot in this film is where Thomas Wayne or Arthur's mother starts writing to Thomas Wayne uh, asking for financial aid because she used to work for the family like 30 years before that f- before the film took place. And then, and again, spoilers there's this subplot where Arthur's mother thinks that Thomas Wayne is the biological father of Arthur. And so Arthur is effectively making Arthur a half brother to Bruce Wayne, which the moment I saw this was happening, my eyes rolled so far Into the back of my head. I started to see my esophagus. Like it was so... Oh my god. It's not even a concept that is new to Batman. Like there have been so many different versions of the Joker and Batman. I've heard of this kind of concept before. Where Batman and the Joker are somehow related. It's such a dumb concept. Now the movie doesn't go fully into this because it introduces that Arthur is actually adopted and his mother is clinically insane and, like, abused him as a child and this is what led to his neurological disorder to where he laughs uncontrollably, which leads to Arthur killing his own mother. So, but... Thomas Wayne is still portrayed as a dick. He's running for mayor, and he sees himself and his, his own wealth as a way of saving the city. And when Arthur kills the three Wall Street guys out of self-defense, this inspires a form of protests against Thomas Wayne and the rich in general, where people adopt clown masks because, since Arthur was in makeup, Thomas Wayne equates this murderer with other people who are criticizing him and the rich as clowns. So, they adopt the clown masks as a form of protest against Thomas Wayne, like I mentioned. Which seems to be emulating the anonymous uh, V for Vendetta masks, the Guy Fox masks that have been adopted by them. And it also takes on the, like, protests of Wall Streets, you know, those sort of things. Uh, The Occupy Wall Street movements. It seems to emulate a little bit of that. And I guess emulate also The Dark Knight Rises because, you know, that was already kind of concept explored. But anyway. Thomas Wayne... And, but the framing of Thomas Wayne as sort of an elitist to make it kind of justified that Arthur feels this way, you know, it's meant to justify sympathy towards Arthur. And this leads to the dumbest thing, which, of course, since it's a Batman-related movie, we, of course, can't go through it without Thomas and Martha Wayne getting murdered in front of Bruce Wayne. It's almost mandated at this point for every Batman movie to somehow reference it. It's like, yeah, we get it. He misses his mommy and daddy. We've seen it so many times. But the dumbest thing is that batman's parents get murdered by one of the protesters who are all against like these anti-rich and it soon's the joker's antics start is like fuel to the fire of these protests and they start getting out of control and that's when one of the protesters in one of the clown masks confronts the waynes in an alley and then shoots and murders them with the clown mask, which is not usually a detail in Batman's origins. So it makes me, it, it's, so, it's so stupid to infer that the Joker's actions is what led to the creation of Batman. That's what this movie's trying to do. It's stupid, okay? It was stupid back when Tim Burton did it. It's stupid now. Because the Joker and Batman don't really have this link. It's like, yeah, in... In Tim Burton's movie, and sometimes even in the comics, Joker is this low-level villain who... Batman just meets one day and is set up to do this crime. And, you know, there's many different versions. But the point is, in the comics... There's some versions where Batman arrests a criminal. He falls into a vat of toxic wastes and he becomes the Joker. Somehow. It's weird. It's silly. It's not always referenced, but it is one of the common elements of the Joker is that Batman's actions led to the creation of the Joker. So Tim Burton in this movie tried to do versions where the Joker's actions led to the birth of Batman and vice versa. Whatever. It's dumb. (laughs) Because what's interesting about the Joker and Batman is that they are two absolutes, like I mentioned with Heath Ledger's performance before. They're two absolutes and they're two opposing forces. They're not really two sides of the same coin. They're just... Two people that are incapable of seeing the other's point of view. That's, that's what's really the crux of this dynamic between these two characters. Is that neither one can change the other. Neither one can really permanently stop the other for one reason or another. And that's what Lee and both of them are extremely capable. That's why they're always butting heads. That's why they can never, ever come to a solution between these two. So, to introduce the idea that these two characters are linked somehow in their past, like one's actions led to the creation of the other, it's... It's not very interesting. It's even something that the comics have tried to distance themselves from that part of the Joker's backstory. But, I mean, it's comics. It's malleable. You can really do any version you want. So, it's not like you have to... It's not like the comics are the Bible. You have to stick by it. You can make different interpretations. But my point here is that... It's really silly and really dumb. And since this version of the Joker isn't really canonical with anything, it just makes me laugh because the Joker or uh, Batman... Like, does Bruce Wayne ever just, like, remember back to when his parents were murdered? And just go, yeah, like... I seem to remember he was also wearing a clown mask. Like, does he go to Alfred and just go, like... Yeah, he was killed by a clown mask. Like, I guess the Joker had something to do with it. I don't know. I was eight at the time. It was really weird. Was there also riots with people with Joker masks going on at the time? I don't know. I'm a detective. I should really put this together. There's also a scene in this movie where Arthur goes to confront Thomas because he thinks he's his biological father at this time. He sees Bruce Wayne... uh, Inside, like, in his front yard. And he goes up to the gate. They both see each other. And Arthur is trying to make him smile with, like, weird magic tricks and stuff like that. And he gets to the point where he actually physically tries to make Bruce. This is child Bruce at at the time. He takes his hands, puts his fingers in Bruce's mouth. And, like, spread, like, like, forces him to do a smile... And then Alfred comes out and just, like, calls him out. He's like, hey, get your hands off him. But, you know, in more of a British sense. And I just just think back. Like, does Bruce also, like, talk to Alfred about that? Like, when he's, like, in the Batcave or something? Does Bruce just go, hey, you remember that one time when... Like, this guy just came up to the front gate, and he just, like, put his fingers in my mouth and maybe, like, tried to make me smile. This was, like, right before my parents were murdered. I don't know if you remember this. Like, you kind of, like, this guy, like, grabbed you and, like, was choking you. I, I don't really remember what that was about. Do you remember what that was about, Alfred? And this, this also leads to another problem of bad framing in the film where it it frames the Wayne's and even Alfred to an extent as bad people because Arthur mentions like hey I'm Thomas Wayne's son on like Penny Flex's son and Alfred just says like it's like oh she's just an insane woman like it's like whatever and there are like hints to Maybe Thomas Wayne, like little tiny hints, maybe that Thomas Wayne actually had an affair with this woman. And so because of the ambiguousness of this and the framing of Thomas Wayne and, by extension, Alfred as sort of people who are just, you know, writing Arthur off as a bad person – As just a weirdo, as just someone to be not trusted, which adds fuel to the fire that, you know, Arthur is this bad person. It makes Alfred and Thomas look like assholes. It it makes them appear like the villains, which, yeah, you can make the argument that, well, every villain thinks they're the good guy, but it's like, no... In most other adaptions, these people are good people. So, it's, like, what are you trying to say? Like, and because this movie is not part of any other planned, like, TV show or movie or something to inform us for these ideas to be expanded upon, it, it's just lazy. And it's just makes us just think, like, oh, everyone's kind of an asshole. Okay. The other major problem with this movie goes into when the Joker is... When Arthur finally becomes the Joker, after he's killed everyone who's wronged him, he goes on Robert De Niro's character's show. I don't even remember what his name is at this point. But he goes on his show after being invited and publicly humiliated by this guy after Arthur attempts to do stand-up. And there's also a weird side note where Arthur doesn't really understand what's funny. He doesn't understand how jokes are supposed to work. There's a scene where he's listening to another comedian's stand-up material, and he's writing jokes down. But he's writing, like, general notes. It's like, oh, jokes about this are always funny or just of uh, like he's not he's just taking notes but he's not actually coming up with jokes or something like that. It's this weird detail but he laughs at the wrong time and this isn't part of his neurological disorder. He laughs in the same way that I felt that the audience was laughing at the same time where it, it was more like he was expected to laugh. Like he's laughing because He knows he should be laughing. Or other people are laughing. And then he laughs at the wrong time. So it's this... It's kind of a clever way to show... He doesn't really understand humor. Now... This leads to his first stand-up attempt. It gets filmed. And then... De Niro's character... Puts it on national television... For him to be mocked. And this leads to Arthur becoming more and more infuriated. So when he finally takes on the Joker persona by putting on the suits, putting on the makeup and dyeing his hair, he appears on the show uh, to kind of talk about him himself. And we're given the idea that he's planning to kill himself on live TV because he's, as I've said, he's a delusional person. He's, Thinking of delusional scenarios. But at times in his house when he's kind of practicing on being on the show. uh, He takes his gun out and while imagining it, he pretends to shoot himself. And we're left to assume that he's probably going to attempt suicide during the show. But when he comes on, he... Starts doing just, like, weird things and everything. And then he tells a joke at one point where he tells a morbid joke and De Niro's character, one of the other guests and everything, kind of call him out on that. It's like, you can't make jokes like that. Those aren't, like, good jokes or something. And I get really weary when I hear stuff like this, especially from someone like Todd Phillips who's, like made comments recently where he said he found it difficult to make comedies in today's woke culture, where I feel like that's just an excuse for people who like to make really morbid or off color jokes and then get called out for it. They're just like, Oh, you're just too sensitive. Everyone's just social justice warriors. It's sort of an excuse and a non-apology for just telling a really bad joke. And this kind of goes into my point of the framing of this film, because this framing of the film is saying that Arthur is justified in his actions. Whatever he's doing, the Joker's actions are somewhat justified by this framing in the film. By framing him as someone who is downtrodden, who is an underdog, who can never just get his shot, who's just constantly put down by everyone, unfairly. But, a lot of... During the interview that the Joker is doing, he starts ranting about how society has abandoned him, how people mistreated him, and this is where he just explodes, and, again, in very un-Joker-like fashion, has taken all these feelings that he's internalized, showing zero empathy for anyone else, he feels like he is the victim, which I feel like is a symptom for people who, you know, internalize their or externalized, I should say, their depression, which I feel like is a common trait against mass shooters or to a lesser extent people who like attack other people on the internet or something. You know, they feel they feel themselves as persecuted. They feel that Their actions are justified for how they've been treated. So, that goes into... And then the Joker kills De Niro's character after this loud outburst. And then he's not long uh, arrested and put into Arkham Asylum, presumably. But not after the protests get out of control and he's... Seen as this kind of hero amongst the people, which okay, <laughs> and the joker just goes along in his new celebrity status, even in prison, he kills one of his doctors, just okay, yeah, I'm fine, and that's just how this movie ends it's you're kind of left thinking it's like what did i just go through so it's a very it's a very sloppy movie it has a lot of unintentional parts where i was laughing more just of how the scene was put together and some of the choices it forces awkward laughter from people in the audience who are just expecting they should laugh because they feel so uncomfortable and, you know, it, it lacks a very misunderstanding of what this character is. And what this character is, is a villain. A villain for a different character. And by definition, this character doesn't work without the hero character. So it makes him uninteresting, and they made it as uninteresting as possible because this character does not reflect any of the cool qualities that we've come to associate him with. As an attempt at a character study and a representation of like the incel culture, like in our society today, that we fear is one of the byproducts of these, you know, mass shooters and alt-rights kind of movements going on, this sort of internalized hatred that just explodes, I feel like it even fails to do that because it doesn't really understand the mass complexity Of the political landscape and the psychological landscape that these characters intertwine. I feel like these things can be done in a different kind of movie. Because this movie tried to be part... No, this movie actually tried to be full art house, full superhero film, and it fails to do both. And it just makes you feel... Kind of bad for seeing it, at least for me. So, it's not really a movie I recommend, even though that I know most people are going to go see it. But, if anything, we should be walking away from this movie and thinking of a better way to approach these topics. There was a movie that came out on the same day, and... This is the title of the movie. I feel uncomfortable saying it, but the movie is called Cuck. And it is a movie that explores the psychology of some of a would-be mass shooter, of someone who is radicalized by alt-right you know, YouTube vloggers, and who makes like racial statements and You know, is very antagonistic towards other people. And I originally just wanted to see this film and go see it and then talk about it. But I actually can't find this movie playing anywhere where it just came out. So I was kind of forced to just see this movie that I really didn't want to see. So it might be a movie where I'll have to see it when it comes out digitally. But until then... I do hope that when we see this movie, it's more inspires, just a more drive to really just talk about these kind of portrayals of mental health and these different topics in a better way in better movies. So I think I want criticisms of this movie to lead to better films, to films that are better for us. In a way. So. That's where I'm going to end today's podcast. Thank you for indulging me. I went a little bit off script. I haven't been posting many reviews. Uh, It was kind of. September was kind of a stale month. For movies and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to be posting a review. Of the latest Borderlands game. Very soon. Um, That's a game that I really wanted. To kind of give time Because I really want to talk about just things around this game. Not just the gameplay itself. Because, you know, this is a discussion about pop culture on this podcast. Than actual whether or not you should buy or go see something. So, and that's what this uh, talk about the Joker was. I really just wanted to give, you know, just these personal thoughts, and why I don't think this movie is good for pop culture, really. I think it's time we we take a break from the Joker. We give other Batman villains their due. Let's give Hush. Anyone know Hush? Hush is a great Batman villain. Let's have a movie about him. He's cool. He has, like, bandages on his head and, you know, a trench coat. And he disguises himself as Bruce Wayne, and he's awesome, and he's cool, and he's, or you know, let's let's get a Condiment King or a Crazy Quilt. Let's get them in Batman movies. Come on, <laughs> Batman's weird, guys. <laughs> anyway, that's where I'm gonna end today's podcast. So thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.